You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're treading the boards in Fab Facts. There's a no-holds-barred trip to Monte Carlo in the randomizer. And we welcome special effects legend Richard Taylor. <laughs> oh, that's all coming up in pod 161 of the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Well, it's another Jerry Anderson Jerry podcast. Jerry Anderson podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They keep coming, don't they? Uh, yeah, they do. It's and relentless. It's, um, well, that's how many have reviewed us. You're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> somewhere on yeah. the spectrum from relentless to monotonous. Um, you <laughs> really? decide where we are today, Podstron. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, bringing you the uh, r- relentless uh, monotony uh, yeah. is uh, him over there, Richard James. Him Hello. sitting uh, down oh. there on the step. Yes. Uh, what is- He's fitting new. You know, remember those curly laces when you were a kid? Yes, and you, that's he's fitting right. those to all the he is, shoes. They're not even his oh, shoes. Anyway, no. with the curly laces down there is Chris, Dar- uh, Chris Dahl. Chris. Chris Dale is his actual <laughs> yep. name uh, by birth. Yeah. And Chris we will think. be coming later with the randomizer. And I am Jamie Anderson. And um, yes. the reason I'm here is. Uh, um, yeah, nepotism. Oh, no, it's it's no. because I'm the I'm the younger son of the late great Jerry Anderson. Quite right, uh, and that's why uh, we talk about I'm Richard James. Stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, didn't I say the, you? The, the, yeah, but the reason I'm here is because oh. if I wasn't, you'd be talking to yourself. Yes, wouldn't you? Yes, you'd yeah. have no one to bounce off. Yeah, uh, there'd be no banter, would there? No witty banter. Yes. Yeah, and that and that no would bants. not help with the relentless monotony. So. It really uh, wouldn't. Anyway, look, we're here with all sorts of stuff, including things like yeah. the Jerry Anderson News. Um, yes, yes, that's right. Go what on. else have we got? Oh, are we going to do it? Get... Uh, you fab... normally hand over to me. Come on. Yeah, all right, fine. Fab Come on. facts. Yes, uh, that's where right. I have a book of fab facts, and I give you a fab fact. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, of course, there's all the stuff from the Podstrons. Yeah, um, from Facebook us at... and emails. They email us at podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk yeah. and yeah. tweeting us. Um, yeah. Hashtag Jerry Anderson Podcast. That's it. And yeah. of course, um, uh, did I say Jerry Anderson News? I did, didn't I? Yes, yeah, yes, that. but you've forgotten a couple and, of other and things. And the randomizer. Yeah, good. We did a randomizer right. from Chris when he's finished That's with his right. toy laces. And of course, the guest uh, interview this week. There you go. Which is with the uh, the founder and managing director and boss of Weta uh, in Weta in New Zealand. I will oh, give his formal title later on, but his name is Richard Taylor. Great. Ah, and uh, yes. could I ask, what, why why is he on the show then? What's what's his connection to all things oh, Jerry Anderson? Well, he's a, yeah. a, a visual effects miniatures, special effects maestro. Been a fan of Anderson stuff ever since he was a, a wee lad. Um, and Great. of course, uh, Rich's company, Pakeko, was involved in Thunderbirds Argo in the, um, the CGI animated series. So we do touch Lovely. on that very briefly. But nice. it is a general chat about his love of, of all things practical and then at the very end, of course, as usual, we get into a discussion of practical versus digital. And um, um, I really enjoyed that bit. Uh, I, di- I didn't ask him half the questions I planned to, but it was just a very, very enjoyable chat. And we even exchanged details about sheep. 
Uh, <laughs> right. We'll save okay. that for later. Can't wait. Anyway, mm. those are all the things yeah. that you can expect from this week's Jerry Anson podcast. Yes, that's true. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget you can subscribe to us on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Leave us a nice review. A review. <laughs> Leave us. What's the word I'm looking for? Review or rating. rating. It's a quite rating. simple. A rating. Uh, indeed. Uh, and also, you can copy the links to your favourite podcasts and share them on your social media and say, "Yeah, I'm listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast, and I think you should too." Something like that. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> like now before we head on into everyone's favourite part of the podcast, Fab Facts, time for a, a quick email. Do you think? Oh, that's unusual. But why not? Well, this one, for example, is from Aid Swatridge, who says, Hi, I've recently been rereading my collection of TV21 and Lady Penelope comics, and it's been mentioned before about the crossover stories in TV21, where Stingray and XL5 characters turn up in other stories. I hadn't read the Lady Penelope comics before, because they were for girls, of course, but I've been intrigued by the Lady P stories, especially as some of the Captain Scarlet characters turned up in a story, which was a big surprise. I'm just wondering if Jerry ever considered doing a film or TV special where characters would cross over a story where Spectrum, International Rescue, Wasp, and World Space Patrol all took part to manage a massive threat. What a great story that would be! What do you think of that? Well, it's been discussed many times that that, that sort of thing would have been great, but I, yeah. I'm, I, it's not the answer that I know you want. Uh, but I'm afraid it is the answer I'm going to give, which is really it was the TV21 team that were really pushing the kind of shared universe thing and putting characters in, in, in other shows. Yeah. I think for Dad, it was much more a case of these things are, you know, discrete units, you know. Uh, yeah. The world of Thunderbirds is not the same as the world of Captain Scarlet, certainly not when they were making the shows. That's not to say it never would have happened. I, I wonder, especially now, if he'd had access to all the IP, that's the sort of thing exactly he would have been doing. Um, but uh, mm. no, I don't think that was the intention originally. But wouldn't it be great fun? Yes, it would indeed. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, uh, finally, just for now, very quickly, Miles Parrish says, Hi, Richard and Jamie. As you may recall, I've recently binged the podcast from 2018 to present, so my listening habits have been basically the Jerry Anderson podcast all hours, 24-7-365 streamathon since February. Ah, yes, you were asking Jamie about uh, people's listening habits and if they've changed since hopefully around the world we're coming out of our various lockdowns and miles continues now that i've caught up you're the first podcast i put on when i get in the car on a tuesday being on australia in australia rather new episodes come out late on monday afternoon for me my new bingeathon or perhaps i should say bingeathon is the benji and nick show uh, but you guys are still my first and greatest podcast love oh thanks oh, isn't that sweet shucks uh, he says i hope you both have some time scheduled for a well-earned post lockdown pint with each other all the best Miles Parish. Oh. Yeah. It's nice, Thanks, isn't it? Miles. Post-lockdown pint sounds we, lovely. When are we getting a pint? I don't know. We should do that, shouldn't we? Definitely. We should go to the Thunderbirds Hotel and have a pint. Yes. Great idea. <sighs> okay. Done. Yeah. See you there. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and a little later on, I've got some more comments and... Uh, so I did actually pop onto our Facebook group and uh, asked uh, the Podstrons there if there was anything they wanted to ask you, Jamie. So we've got some questions coming up a little bit later on. Oh, okay. Well, while we um, make our way to that, shall we yep. traverse the field of fab facts? Oh, that's right. Let's see if we can uh, pick up a few sparkling gems along the way. Okay, <laughs> we can, but hope. Here we go. Now, time for this week's fab facts. It's Fab Facts, where I've got a book of Fab Facts. Mm-hmm. I will flick through mm-hmm. said book of Fab Facts at a random point, and it is very random. Richard will shout Fab. At that point, I'll stop flicking the pages, and hopefully upon those pages will be a Fab Fact, which I will then read to you, dear Podstrom. Yeah, great. Richard James, are you ready for the flicking? Born ready. Here we go. Fab! Ooh. So oh. I, I flicked fast, and you waited till yes. quite late. Uh, yes, I thought so. Oh, 
Richard James? Yes? I have a feeling that actually this is a fab fact that you should read. Oh? Because it relates to you. Here's the book. Oh, come on. Pass it over. All right. There you go. Okay. Let's see? Uh, oh, just there. Ah, right. Jamie? Yes? Listeners, if I was to say to you, Thunderbird Stage Show, yeah. what do you think of? Uh, well, I think of uh, being in the, I think of the foyer of the Palladium in about 1990, right. maybe 1991. Yeah. Cardboard, yeah. Thunderbirds hat, amazing. Ah, I can see it now. Yes, exactly. The long-running, much-loved Thunderbirds FAB stage show, which was first performed in Edinburgh in 1984 by Andrew Dawson and Gavin Robertson. Ah. And enjoyed phenomenal success during tours throughout the 80s, 90s and the early 2000s. Did. And as uh, Nicholas Parsons would say, not only in the UK, but around the world. Uh <laughs> Along the way, several True. other familiar names from the Anderson universe would also participate in the show, including Wayne Forrester, Rob Thirtle, mm-hmm. and some bloke named Richard James. No. Mm. No, sounds familiar. However, we're not here to talk about that show today as much as it deserves to be talked about, because did you know, it says here, that even before Andrew and Gavin and the rest started running around with models of the Thunderbirds craft strapped to their heads, there had already been a Thunderbirds stage show. <sighs> I don't think I not did. many people do, no, because it only ran for about a year, from April 1974 to April 1975, which means that the show was running during production of the first season of Space 1999. Hmm. This Thunderbird stage show was produced by Stage 3, a theatre company that included former Super Marination puppeteers Rowena White and Christine Glanville. Ah. So uh, Christine produced the puppets, uh, while Rowena not only provided their clothes but also wrote the scripts of the three stories that would make up the show. These puppets were not marionettes on wires, but instead rod-operated puppets worked from below. Ah. Uh, And they were miming to pre-recorded dialogue. They had heads much larger than their television counterparts so that they could be seen much better on the stage from the audience. Makes sense. Uh, They had a a voice cast, including Sylvia Anderson's daughter Dee as Lady Penelope, plus actors Kerry Jewell, David Schofield, Malcolm Storey. Some big theatre names there providing the voices of the (laughs) male characters. Uh, the show was uh, produced following Stage Three's success with their show Rupert Bear and his Puppet Pals. Oh, Didn't that sound lovely? Yeah, uh, but thought. unfortunately, their version of Thunderbirds wasn't destined to be quite so successful. Oh, shame. After a strong opening in Chelmsford, and we've all had one of them, uh, and then an even more <laughs> successful run in Gravesend, the plan was to spend a summer season at Bournemouth's Pier Theatre. However, the show was dropped after just four weeks following attendance figures that could perhaps be best described as dismal. We've all had those as well. Mm. Uh, The audience returned for a few more successful performances elsewhere in the country later in the year, but unfortunately, the show's failure in Bournemouth soon got around in the theatre world and no one wanted to take them on after that, so the final performance was at the Gloucester Leisure Centre in April 1975. What a classic place to You were there. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. However, the puppets from that show apparently still survive. You can see a picture of them on the entry for the Stage 3 production on the Thunderbirds wiki page. And also, if you have the complete book of Thunderbirds, you should be able to find some publicity photos from the tour. But we would love to hear your memories of this show if you ever got to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Do drop us a line, podcast, jerryanderson.co.uk, with any memories of the show. And if you still have any pictures that you took and feel like sharing them with your uh, fellow podstrons, you can post them on the uh, podcast listeners' Facebook page. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Amazing. Were you there? Did you see... The original Thunderbirds stage show, 1975. Well, I definitely did not. And I have to confess no. to not being prior, uh, aware to this fact prior to that. No, 
No, so, I had no idea. But how interesting it would have been a, a show with puppets rather than men running around pretending to be puppets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, both, yes. both had their own merits, I would say. Yes, quite right, yeah. Uh, so there we go. That's a fab fact featuring the original Thunderbird story. Amazing. On stage. Thanks, Dexter. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, yeah. for reading that. I appreciate that. Oh, now, so hang on. Now I've got to say, and that oh. uh, brings us to the end of this week's... Stage, stage fact. fact. Oh, well, yes, you're a little bit hesitant there. I think we did it all right. Didn't it, we? it was the other way around. Normally, you've got time to be thinking about what, I, what you know. I, yeah, and that's I, right. Yeah, it all, it all went a bit strange. wrong. Well, anyway, can I have the, the book, book back? Yeah, please. take it back because yeah. I, I, I felt a Thank bit strange you. me doing it this week. Yeah. I must say. Yeah, I think no. I've only ever done it once before, haven't I? God, in 160 odd. Uh, well, yeah, we, I can't remember yeah, when we introduced Fab Facts. No, but, uh, that's why it feels so weird. Yeah, yeah I'm not doing that again. Oh, okay. It would be Shake a it bit off. like Shake you singing That Was The News, That Was The News. Yeah, that ain't ever going to happen. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Fine. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> have we got stuff from Podstrons? Well, of course we have. So Paul G, for example, said, regardless of licensing or production costs, what's the one piece of merchandising that you'd love to release but never will? <laughs> hmm. um, full-size Scott Tracy pilot seat. Human oh, really? size, <gasps> yeah. Wow, just be too too expensive and too complex. But it would be very cool, wouldn't it? It would be cool, and that's the sort of thing you could take along to conventions and charge people ten quid a pop to sit in and have their picture taken. Yes, well, I, it, so. some time ago it was discussed actually about having a, yeah. a human size Scott Tracy chair because there was one in Japan when uh-huh. I went out to Tokyo a few years ago. They had one there at the exhibition, um, which was yes. rather cool. So anyway, yeah. in fact, I might have a, I yeah. might have a picture of it somewhere. I'll see if I can find it, and uh, maybe we'll post yes. it on Postron's Facebook group if I can find. Indeed, it. Uh, Alex Pass asks: well, We've got a steadily growing collection of fantastic Anderson audios. Are there any plans for an Anderson audio player for the MP3 versions? <laughs> hmm. That might be a bit niche. You never know, but yeah. Um, yeah, no current plans. Yeah, okay. Gary Hodgkinson says: Have you got a copy of the Look in Worlds of Jerry Anderson mail out in the Anderson archives? Uh, and he posted a picture. Probably not, no. No. Tom Hodden says, who would win in a fight, Tiger Einstein or Virgil Tracy? Uh, ooh, that's difficult, actually. Probably Virgil. <laughs> yeah. But only just. You think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Westall says, have you asked Chris Barry or Robert Llewellyn for an appearance on the podcast, or even to do a special intro for the ra- randomizer with Chris Dale? Oh, dear, Richard. Do you want yeah. to talk about Chris Barry for a second? I, I did bump into Chris Barry when I used to live in Cookham, just over the river, and we did exchange a few words about him possibly doing an interview, but yes. then it never happened. Uh, I bit, think, actually, that, he never returned like, my email. Mm. Yeah, a bit like uh, Ross Kemp and... Yeah, yeah, we don't need to go over that uh, all right the other now, ones who you've promised yeah, yeah, to... Yeah, no, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wendy yeah. Craig. Uh, but anyway, uh, and finally, uh, for now, Scott Bicleek, he says, ever thought of doing an interview with Shane Ritchie? He's a Jerry Anderson fan. Um, yes, yes, Shane is on my radar. Yeah, um, very was, busy man, I should he, imagine. Yes, exactly, particularly post uh, I'm a Celebrity uh, COVID yes. edition. I think he's yes. been even more busy. But uh, yes, I hope so uh, in due course. And Shane, if you're listening yeah. right now, then, uh, you know, because uh, isn't Shane a member of the, the Facebook group? I don't think so, is I, he? I think he's a member of the general, our general ah, Jerry Anderson Facebook great. group. So, yeah. yes, he's around. So mm, yeah, go and pass okay. him on there. Yeah, I mean, not, right. not in a horrible no. way. Just no, encourage no, no, no. him to come on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, all for now, but more questions later on, Jamie. Good. I look forward mm. to those and many more mm-hmm. to come. Yeah. Uh, yeah. While we wait for those, how about a yeah. little tiny dose of Jerry Anderson news? 
Oh, that would be lovely. Oh, let's do it then. Jerry Anderson news 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 um yes here we go let's start with this then so let's start with well stingray surely stingray da uh if you miss the announcement how could you the stingray operation ice cap hardback and uh, audiobook cd and download is uh, now available for pre-order Ooh. let's listen to the trailer we can't not listen to the trailer here it is Stand by for action. We are about to launch Stingray. Acceleration rate six, phones. Let's go. Looks like one of those flying saucers. You boys have no idea what two determined girls can do when they try. Stingray! Stingray! I am calling But the Poseidon could have come up on any of the four cold currents from Antarctica. Watch it, Troy. Blizzards can blow up mighty fast down here. A damn squid! Fire a sting missile! Too late! Oh, Marina! We must see that Troy Tempest does not lack company in the Antarctic wastes. It can be very, very lonely down there. <laughs> Anything can happen in the next half hour. <laughs> <laughs> Anderson Entertainment presents Stingray, Operation Icecap. Love it. Oh, it's so good. And, you know, they're all lovely, all amazing voices. There's Mark Silk there as Troy Tempest. Uh, there's uh, our old friend uh, Nick Briggs in there too as Titan and Commander Shaw. Uh, Wayne Forrester as Phones and X20. You only hear his little cackle in there, but Wayne's X20 is absolutely gorgeous. But kudos, I think, to Jules de Jong. Wow. Yes. That Atlanta. Oh, it's just got that lovely lilt. It's, yeah, really, really fantastic. Lois Maxwell voice there. Yeah. Sounds great. It is great. You're really going to enjoy it. Uh, If you want the hardback or the physical CD set, you can order it from the Jerry Anderson store. And Big Finish announced just last week that Stingray and Five Star Five are now available for pre-order with them for digital versions. So go there. Please note they are... Separate, Big Finish and Anderson Entertainment are separate businesses. Big Finish have the exclusive on the digital downloads. We have the exclusive on the physical. Never the twain shall meet. Buying one doesn't mean you get access to another. We can't do those uh, those deals, sadly. We're just n- not able to do them. Uh, so it's a bit of an either-or. But if you fancy getting both to support the, pro- the productions, then we'd be ever so grateful too. Over to Space 1999 for a bit. The Eagle Moss Eagles. Um, Eagle One, which you may have pre-ordered already from the Jerry Anderson store, is coming at the end of July. That one, that's just a couple of weeks now, so that's very soon. And the Laboratory Edition, uh, which will be out in uh, late September, very early October, is also now available to pre-order. The uh, We have the exclusive on that for the Jerry Anderson store, so you can get it from Eagle Moss Direct or us, nowhere else. If anywhere, if anywhere else has got it listed, they actually won't be able to get it. They're just being a bit cheeky and listing it, hoping that they can buy it later on, but they can't. So if you want the Eagle um, Laboratory Edition, 10 inches long, really gorgeous from Eagle Moss, then pre-order it from the Jerry Anderson store. Pretty please. The update on hardbacks for you. Thunderbirds, Terror from the Stars, and Five Star Five, John Lovell and the Zargon Threat by Richard James. Oh, yes. have a chat. Uh, they should be in stock at the end of July. 
We are catching up now. We had some uh, print issues and supply issues, more continuation fallout from COVID and Brexit and Suez Canal stuff. But we're, we're catching up rapidly and these lovely hardbacks should be in stock by the end of the month uh, or very, very soon after. If you're looking for a bargain, may I suggest very nicely that you head over to uh, the Anderson Entertainment eBay store where we've got a load of um, returns, um, excess stock and other items which are heavily discounted. Lots of you taking advantage of that already. Just search Anderson Entertainment on eBay for the uh, for the store there. And um, if you have just joined us and missed Captain Scarlet Day, which is on the Saturday just gone, the 10th of July, how could you? But if you did, don't worry. We put up a free episode of New Captain Scarlet, Enigma, uh, as chosen by the Anson Entertainment team. It's a great choice. And also Chris Dale's latest video contribution, The Mysteron Files, uh, documenting everything we know or don't know about the Mysterons. That'll get you in the mood for Captain Scarlet, if nothing else will. And um, I think that's probably it. There's other stuff going on on the, uh, on the Jerry Anson website. Just pop along to jerryanson.co.uk. If you fancy becoming an insider, and want some extra inside track on what's going on, some extra behind the scenes and naughty little tidbits, they're not naughty, they're good, uh, then go along to shop.jerryanderson.co.uk and you'll find a link to insiders in the menu there. Great. But that is it for this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. That was the news. Ah. Yeah. Fine, fettle and voice today. run out uh, yeah, of, of voice files from listeners. Yes, funny that. That didn't last long, did it? No, not no. as long as six degrees of, uh, of Anderson. Anderson. Uh, and I do uh, hope you're all working on yours. Yes, quite right. What was it you uh, offered last week? It's a dry wipe whiteboard marker to Dick Spanner. Uh, and uh, we'll start reading those out next week. We're giving yeah, you plenty great. of time to find your six degrees of separation. Yes, quite right. And in the meantime, Ask Jamie Part 2. Uh, Neil oh, Holloway no. asks, can you ask Jamie, is he going to dress up like Joe 90 on the next Fab Live? And if not, why not? <sighs> Next, please. <laughs> Porter. Hi, Jamie. I know you hate Joe 90, but if you had a favourite episode from Joe 90, what would it be? <laughs> um, I've already said that she's International Concerto. Yeah. Because it's yeah. really fun and creative and interesting and the, the sort of piano work and stuff is, is fantastic. So there you yeah. go. Maria Alice asks, there's Funko Pops of Lady Penelope Parker and Brains. If there were more Anderson characters done, which characters would you pick for the next trio? Oh, you see, well, I, I, I'm sad to to assume that there aren't going to be any more. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I, I don't think those first three did very well. But I'm amazed uh. they didn't go out with, you know, surely it would have made sense to go with Scott, Virgil, and maybe maybe Brains or maybe the Hood. Yeah. I mean, they did yeah. go with Brains, but to put yeah. out Penny Parker and Brains on the first yeah. run seems really weird. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, Space 1999 guys, I'd love a Victor Bergman Funko Pop. That would be great, wouldn't yes. it? Wouldn't that be brilliant? Lovely Barry Morse yeah. uh, side, side <laughs> Bernie right. Funko. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Aaron Rook says, when can we expect an update on Firestorm? I can't wait for more. Oh, mm. when when we can. That's all I yes. can say, really. Um, yes. There's always stuff going on, but uh, yes, things move very it's slowly in Teleland. Yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it has uh, indeed. But uh, mm. yes, uh, in due course. James Pilson Wood, without telling us the project, unless you can, is there a project you sit back in your chair and think, I can't believe we're able to do this? Uh, <laughs> That's a difficult one because you can't mention <laughs> very <laughs> much at can, all, can you? All I can do is sit back in my chair that and go... And that thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing we were talking about immediately before this recording, yeah, I guess, yeah, is, yeah. is pretty cool because of the personal angle. Uh, yeah. That'll mean actually, something to think, you shortly. 
I, I don't think that's been mentioned at all, has it, on the podcast? No, it hasn't. No, and obviously so there's that other thing next year that we're talking about, which could be oh, great. Oh, yes. Also hasn't been mentioned at all. No, but will get mentioned in due course. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then there's some other things. Yeah, there's there's, there's several things, James, which yes. uh, should fill you with potential joy because they'll all be great. That's right. Uh, Rob Doyle asks, will there be a Kindle version of the new books being produced <gasps> by Anderson Entertainment? Yes, there will. And in fact, I've just seen some emails going back and forth Aha. a few minutes ago uh, with yeah, the great. Kindle files for the first two. So, yes. Marvellous. Great. Good news. And finally, Simon Allen says, plans for pod 200, a seven hour podcast, maybe? <laughs> Why seven hour? Surely yes, 200 hours? No, no, no. <laughs> when, um, when is that? When's that? It's sort of 38 weeks time, isn't it? When might that be? I can't really... Was that April, May, March, April time next uh, year? Hang on. Maybe there'll be something around that time. We could tie in with Pod 200. Just having a look. Yeah. Um, what will the date be 38 weeks from today? Yeah. Will be the 14th of March. Oh, 14th of March, okay. Yeah. That's very right. close to my birthday, isn't it? It is, yes. So maybe we could do a birthday edition. But yeah, and I think like, surely a 200-minute uh, extravaganza for the oh, yeah, podcast. Oh, yeah, uh, Maybe, maybe uh, a bit of live recording at the Thunderbirds Hotel in Slough? Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, we could do that. And uh, yeah, you know, write uh, live cocktails afterwards? Oh, yes. Yeah, Definitely. see, talking my language there. Uh, yeah, right, yes, exactly. sorry, uh, moving on. Yeah, that's right. No, <clears> all for now, uh, more Facebook posts and Twitterings and emails a little later on. Brilliant. Thank you, yeah. Pastor Thank you, uh, Richard James. I'm looking forward to those. Mm. Now, Richard James, I've already mentioned uh, the name of our uh, contributor for this week's yes. uh, um, interview. I've almost you forgot have. what they're called. Uh, <laughs> and I can only say his name once uh, yeah. with his correct title. So, right. um, is he like the Candyman? Oh no, that's well, three times. Isn't he'll it? he'll come and haunt me possibly if I say yeah. it wrong. Anyway, look, uh, you may have heard of a couple of his productions and things he's been involved with. I mean, the least well known of those is probably something called the the Lord of the Rings. Oh you know yeah, that, that sounds thing? familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know all that yeah. sort of stuff. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, well, Richard was instrumental in bringing uh, those three movies and countless others to life. He is technically Sir Richard Taylor. Ah, but I promised he? I would only say that once, so <laughs> I will only call him Richard or Richard Taylor from this point onwards. But that honorary title has been disposed, uh, disposed has been. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Bestowed. <laughs> Bestowed on him. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we had a fantastic chat. Uh, he's in New Zealand, and so it was a late night for me and an early morning for him. He is a very smart man who has achieved an awful lot and continues to do so. We had a chat beforehand about all the stuff he's doing right now, and it is inspiring and terrifying in equal measure. And yet he still made time to give us an hour. So I was super grateful for that. Uh, So without further ado, here is Wetter's Richard Taylor. Hello, Jamie. It's Richard Taylor here in Wellington, New Zealand. I'm at Wetter Workshop. I'm the design and effects supervisor at Weta Workshop, but I'm also the co-founder of the Weta Companies, but co-owner of Weta Workshop with my wife, Tanya. And I'm also one of the co-owners of Pukeko Pictures, who were the company that made tech. So it's lovely to be here with you, Jamie, and everyone else, of course. Of course, all the lovely podsterons, our listeners. So um, you might just be one of the 
busiest men alive working in entertainment so we're very lucky to get you for a, a chat so thank you to you and thank you to Ree for organizing it really appreciate it I have known you are a uh, a long-standing Anderson fan for a long time um, and our paths crossed briefly at Comic-Con in 2014 and um, I heard a little bit more about then but if you wouldn't mind Richard just to start us off jumping in the TARDIS with me and popping back in time to some of your earliest TV memories, specifically those around Anderson stuff. Are there any things in the in your childhood that stick out that kind of got you hooked on these things? Yeah, absolutely. The arguably the very reason that we do this for a living here at the workshop. A great deal of the there, there were many moments of inspiration, and depending on the interview that you're doing, so you're generous to the individual <laughs> interviewing you on their specific fandom. Uh, like, you know, just the other day, someone sent, oh, someone's borrowed them. Someone sent me some new Fangoria magazines and, uh, you know, oh, there you go, uh, or, or reprints of Fangoria, you know. And so, of course, you acknowledge that Fangoria magazine was hugely into but uh, which it was, uh, but nothing like the Thunderbirds. I... I grew up in the UK. I was born in Cheshire. Uh, my dad's from Oldham. My mum's from Wolverhampton. And uh, we actually had a telly in those very early years. And, of course, Thunderbirds was playing. And uh, I used to watch Doctor Who through the crack in the door like this. And I still <laughs> have trauma every time I'm in the British underground because of a Doctor Who episode that I saw when I was four years old. But, of course, um, with the Thunderbird, I sat like this with my face on the television, just trying to soak it all up. I perceived it as being totally real. I didn't read them as puppets. I didn't read it as a fictitious world. That's probably why I got an unhealthy obsession with Lady Penelope, which is still <laughs> questionable today. And uh, <laughs> my wife hasn't told me that I call out uh, Penelope's name in my sleep, but maybe I do. I'm not sure. But uh, we then moved to New Zealand and... Uh, Thankfully, got it. we moved into very rural New Zealand, a place called Tehihi, a community of 14 families. But we got a black and white television set. And, uh, and thankfully, Thunderbirds continued to play on our TV. In fact, everything that Jerry made played on our TV. Being a, um, a sort of colony of the British Empire to some degree, of course, our primary television watching was British TV and uh, sitcoms and comedy and the news and so on. So uh, the world of Jerry's um, TV was uh, painted across our, our TV. It's interesting at this point, I'd never seen the Thunderbirds in colour, didn't mm. even understand that they were colour. And it wasn't till I think my early teens that we finally got a colour telly and... Um, suddenly the whole of the Thunderbirds universe lit up for me in bright colour, and um, it was cool. I, I, had, a, I, I had a great um, love of, um, of Thunderbird 4, Gordon. I always dreamed of being a submariner. Mm. You know, kids wanted to be train drivers or, or spaceship flyers, or, but I, I fancied the idea of being a submariner. And whether that came from 20,000 leagues and a combination of other things, but Thunderbird 4, I think almost because of its, its beautiful bright yellow, once I understood its colour, over-accentuated, 
plumpness as this cool submarine because all submarines are these long thin slick things and it was a car under the water and I could imagine me now to drive my parents um uh, mini moke which was also uh, well it was bright orange into the ocean (laughs) thank god I never did um so anyway that's sort of the beginning of it all um yeah my friend uh we live near a psychiatric hospital uh called Kingsley Hospital and my dear friend uh, had some dinky toys and um, he had the thun- uh, he had Joe 90s car and uh, so I got to go to his place and fondle his uh, cast metals and uh, play with his um, his Joe 90 car so that, that's one of the warmest memories um, today obviously I've been able to collect some of my own you can see I've got this incredibly oh, doggies and completely wrong color. Um, yeah, the blue one. Yeah, but but some of the you know some of the things still work. It's on got, it. It's got one leg. It's got one leg, <laughs> and the the pod drops out even though the door's gone and there's nothing in it. But I love Amazing. this thing, so it sits on my desk here as a fond. I won't even try and put the pod back in. Yeah, so brilliant. Mm. Amazing. So, so the, you had a combination of the puppets and not even considering them really as puppets. No, what, obviously uh, I not? didn't. I did in later life, and I started mm. to um, copy them. Uh, I've, you know, I've made. I I got my art training or or my early art inspiration because on the farm that we were just living in a share milker's cottage. My parents didn't do the share milking. My mum was a science teacher and my father was an aircraft engineer and he'd drive the near hour trip a day into Auckland to go and work at the airport. But um, I just always knew I wanted to do art and paper mache and that sort of stuff. So I started digging clay out the out of a creek on the back of the farm and taught myself to sculpt because it's, you know, it's as good as any clay that you would buy from yeah. a pottery providers that's where clay comes from that sort of source and um i started making you know my own thunderbird very crude thunderbird models etc but i of course very quickly came to understand in my teens that this was a model made world with puppets i was less fascinated by the puppets even though i became a puppet maker i've made hundreds of puppets commercially Mm then I was fascinated with the miniature worlds and uh, the way that on a tabletop, uh, it was obvious to me how big they were because I could identify components from our own kitchen or my dad's workshop. And so uh, I began to understand the scale of them and the love of starting to make things in miniature became really fascinating to me. My dad and I built an HO gauge railway set in my bedroom and uh, tried to do all the landscaping and so on. And then uh, I started painting miniature soldiers and building little dioramas for them and really got into that. And all of that was inspired by, you know, arguably the full suite of Jerry's work. But you've got to say that Thunderbirds was the cornerstone of that because it's the first thing that I discovered as a child and just became passionate with and, you know, and, I don't know that the, you know, I've got a Thunderbird 2 here that normally hangs off the fire system above my head. But, you know, there's something so 
exceptionally beautiful in the designs mm. even today that a sophisticated designer could call out as being extraordinary pieces of design you you could argue that that is as sophisticated a piece of design as the as the best of jaguar at the time that jaguar came out at the same time this was designed right yeah and um it's just an intuitive design and i i think even if you're a little kitty as you know most of the people listening in would have discovered thunderbirds at a very very early age I think good design is good design is good design. And as a human, you just yeah. engage with really good design when at that time there was an awful lot of really bad design <laughs> on television. And I just think you intuitively engage with things that you know, even as a four-year-old, are exquisite pieces of conceptual thinking. Mm. And uh, I'd like to think that's true because it, it, it gives even more credit to to Derek and the team that were doing yeah. it all, you know. So, do, I mean, do you think that actually Derek's design eye and those vehicles may well be the element of the show that gives it its longevity and and keeps people coming back? You know, it, it's hard to, to try and be kind of break it down uh, uh, and try and put a formula to it, but they, they, they seem to be the things that, that keep people engaged. They are the thing that keep that keeps instant brand awareness, I guess. Mm. That you know, that the puppets I guess today have instant brand awareness because of their retro their retro qualities, but to some degree, dare I say, the puppets sit in a slightly different design language and world to mm. the vehicles and some of the architecture and, yeah. and the secondary vehicles, that the, the puppets were what they needed to be to achieve the results required, executed at the most beautiful level possible. And they are as a technical piece of model making and as an artistic sort of caricatured representation of people, absolutely, you know, unequal, beautiful. Yeah. But there's another level to the sophistication of design of the vehicles. Had, had he been designing in the automotive industry, he would have been at the bleeding edge of automotive design. Should he be yeah. alive today, he would have been headhunted by the Eon Musk of the world because he was at the bleeding edge of design. And um, you just can't not respect that as you move forward and through your life as as your life becomes, you know, less cluttered by the things that you want to pursue and the things you want to have fandom for. My dear friend, David Tremont, who's sort of diagonally 100 meters away underneath my feet, sort of down there in his <laughs> workshop, him and I have had endless conversations over the years about the superiority of design that yeah. exists in these vehicles. And, um, it was almost an epoch of design that was happening in that tiny little place at that time with this group of people, uh, with Derek leading. And, um, you know, you look at Lady P's car, you've got one behind your head. How superior that was as a piece of car design at the time. Yeah. Um, Gorgeous. Yeah, when you compare it to all the other 
fantastical sci-fi Buckminster Fuller type car designs that are coming out. Many of them are laughable when you place them next to something like Lady P's car. What a lovely man. And what a lovely chat. Fascinating. Um, I should say thank you to um, Richard's executive assistant, Ree, who uh, Mm -hmm. arranged all that. And we had to, both of us had to cancel each other at least twice each, I think, Uh, um, to make time for it. So thank you, Ree, for for pushing through. And thank you, Richard, for your time. And uh, (laughs) during the recording, I could see over Richard's shoulder a reflection in the glass of a, a, a picture behind him. Mm. Uh, Ree would stand up occasionally and give him a warning of like, you know, 10 minutes left, five minutes left, two right. minutes, we've got to go. So it was, you know, <laughs> he, he is probably one of the busiest man, men in telly. Um, so yeah. we're very lucky to get him. Extraordinary. So, a bit more from Richard next week. Uh, in the meantime, go to wetterworkshop.com if you want to learn more. And uh, also, uh, thanks to our uh, friend of the podcast, uh, David Tremont, who was instrumental in setting up that interview. Ah. So David, Great. thank you. That is all. More Richard Taylor yeah. next week. Nice. What have you got um, for us, Richard James? Well, I, I want an executive assistant. How does one get one of those? Oh, well, I think you ha- one has to be very important and uh, high-flying oh. and high-achieving, so that's oh. us both out the window. Right. Yeah, that'll never happen with it. Over on our Facebook group, <laughs> facebook.com forward slash groups, podstrons, uh, people have been posting, for example, John McDonald uh, posted a picture of uh, a book, Terror Hawks Making the Unexpected. He says, hi, podstrons. Just a quick word on this curio from the Jerry Anderson store bought for pennies. This is not essential if you're not a huge Terrorhawks fan, but if you're interested in some amazing archive interviews with Jerry and his collaborator Christopher Burr, mm. as well as many familiar faces and voices from the Supermarination era, it's worth a few moments of your time. Also, it's fun seeing how these guys had to adapt their creative skills in a different time and budget. Big thanks to Network again for yet another lovely TV time capsule. And that's yes. from, uh, John McDonald. Nice. I'm the, not uh, the age. The version of that is on the Blu-ray set. And, oh, and that great. looks amazing because it's from the original Megs. So great. it looks like nice. it was filmed yesterday and you've got people on there like Christine Glanville. Amazing. Um, cuddling, I think. Is it, she cuddling Young Star or Hawkeye? She's cuddling. Uh-huh. Uh, and explaining how the puppets work and stuff. It's just great. Yeah, really worth a watch. Uh, we've been talking recently, haven't we, about people's Ander shelves and uh, Miles <laughs> yeah. Parrish posted, uh, giving my apartment a power clean today, uh, but got distracted when I arrived at my first stop, the bookcase of nerdery just inside my front door. Uh, he says, my product enterprise Stingray is such a joy to behold and it has such heft too. Love this one. And he posted a gorgeous picture of his uh, uh, Stingray model there. Yes. Uh, James Johnson posted, oh my giddy aunt, I've just finished disc one of Terror from the Stars and I know it's been said before but by golly it's good he says i read the book a couple of years ago so unfortunately i know the direction the story's headed in but nevertheless it's been so well put together here the music is fantastic very barry gray-esque and yet new as well Uh, the scene in which the hood calls on kirano is nothing but superb in the voice acting scoring and narration any discrepancies the nitpicking side of my brain brought up about the way certain characters have behaved or sounded previously completely vanished here and I was legitimately absorbed. I eagerly await the opportunity to listen to the rest of it and for when we get more of these enhanced audiobooks. Yes, and many more nice. to come. In fact, uh, Stingray was they finished recording a couple of weeks ago. Uh, right. By the time you hear this, I believe the first couple of sessions of the next Thunderbirds book will have been recorded. Um, title to be confirmed, but I'm telling you now, right. it will not be called... Mm-hmm. its original name <laughs> I'm not oh. going to say which book it is either oh, but okay. uh, a cool new name to come and we were talking about Fair that enough. earlier on and it's uh, it's great because you know 
if we just call it Thunderbirds, and it would have wouldn't have been the same as Terror from the Stars. Terror from the Stars sounds really sixties yes. and great and Thunderbirdsy, yes. and I can tell you the next title sounds as great uh-huh. and sixties and Thunderbirdsy. Lovely. All for now, but do pop along to our Facebook group and answer a couple of questions. We'll let you in, uh, and you can join in the fun. Lovely. Uh, I look forward to reading and hearing more in due course. Now, Mm. Chris Dale is loitering now with his uh, high top trainers, his Nikes, I suppose, but uh, with fluorescent curly laces. Chris, they do suit you. They do. Uh, Not sure you needed the ones sort of round your head and poking out of your ears, but it sort of works. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it does. But it's a look. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it sort of suits him. So, yeah. uh, Chris, your randomizer's just over there. I can see it looks very shiny and nice and ready for pressing. So why don't you go and press the big red button and choose a random episode for yourself to watch? It's dashed decent of you to come all this way to see an old friend. Not at all, Sir Jeremy. It's very kind of you to offer to press the button today. Well, where do we start, then? Well, uh, right here with the uh, the button, normally. Capital. There, that's it. I bet our listeners are very excited to hear what you picked today. And where might they be? Is it um, safe to talk? Oh, quite safe, yes. They're all jolly good people. Well, all except that one, of course. Who is this blackguard? Well, it's... Oh, no time to go into that now. We've got the printout to look at. Good luck, old man. Uh, let's see... Oh. Found something? Yes, forget luck. Skill is what's called for today. It's one of my favourite episodes from one of my very favourite shows. Here's Joe 90 with The Race. It hardly seems possible. Sir Jeremy Odge, thank you very much indeed. You would have succeeded without me. Well, that really is jolly sporting of you, old boy. I say, open this door at once. We're British. So welcome back to Joe 90 on the Randomizer and a very clever opening to this episode as we go straight from the opening titles into the episode itself. This was something they did on uh, on the first and second episodes in production order. It's been a while since they did it here. Actually incorporate Hi, Joe. The, transfer's complete. the title sequence into the story itself. I think that is such a clever idea. By the morning. And I wish they'd done it more often. To bed. Okay, Dad. And Joe, don't forget these. But whenever they do, it's it's always so clever, especially this coming... uh, This is episode, I think, 17 or 18. So it's quite a long way from the start of the show. And it's just... It's slightly unsettling, and then you realise what's going on. Oh, right, that actually was... That is part of the story, that Joe has just been given a brain pattern, and now he's been given his glasses, and it's off to bed. And I believe originally... um, uh, Tony Barwick, for it is he, his uh, script for this story uh, didn't include this uh, this opening scene and possibly did not include the uh, the the end scene to this episode uh, uh, as a consequence because we see that uh, Mac and Joe with his glasses on, they're uh, each in their rooms asleep, but... Monte Carlo... Monte Carlo. They're both having a dream. Win the race. Must win the race. They both seem to be having the same dream. Glass. The road's like glass. Look out! Look out! And that uh, the road's like glass line does not appear in in the uh, the dream itself. For this is a dream episode, but uh, it almost need not be. Then I reckon World Intelligence London is obsolete. Because there's nothing in here that's especially outlandish as as a story idea. And some of your men can be absorbed. Absorbed. It's not like in Stingray we'd have shrinking or um, underwater palaces and cavemen and such. More efficient? 
Weston, you've got a bad habit there, repeating everything I say. It's the sign of a sloppy mind. Sloppy mind? But instantly, a, a lovely antagonistic relationship and rivalry is established between uh, Shane Weston here and... Uh, Army are going to take over. This is General... Uh, this is... Oh, I've forgotten this character's name. Can't match the manpower and resources of the army. The army absorbs this department over my dead body. Colonel Army Guy, uh, as played by Jeremy Wilkin. But I figured. I've never backed down from a fight. Neither have I. All right, Mr. Weston. I think I know a way we can settle our little difference. Oh, it's General Tempest, I believe. Good. No relation. We do. So, yep, nice rivalry established there and a challenge of some sort being made. Agreed, Chief. Yes, I agreed. That General Tempest needs taking down a peg or two. But you don't seriously think the army could take over WIN London? No, but the General does have a lot of influential friends. He could make trouble. And if we win, the General will forget this takeover idea? If we win? Where's your confidence, Sam? When we win. And something I love with this episode is uh, the leader of each each side is really dedicated and determined to, to be the victor. And everyone else really isn't bothered. Now, Clooney, for the purposes of this exercise, I'm promoting... General Tempest, um, he's got Captain Grey as a... Be quiet, Lieutenant. ...as Lieutenant Burns. Major? And here's Gary Files as... Uh, don't know what to say. Private, now Major Clooney. Major, you better go and get the U87 ready. Yes, sir. Dismiss, Major. And Clooney is a very nice-looking puppet. You don't immediately realise that uh, you have seen him before in Captain Scarlet, even though you might not recognise him. He was one of the bank robbers in uh, Heart of New York, but he's had a, a change of hair since then. He's got a new wig, and it suits him much better than the uh, the blonde hair he used to sport. We've got ourselves into a race with the army. That's it. London to Monte Carlo. Sounds like an extended paper chase to me. It'll be a test of initiative, Professor, as well as speed and endurance. It could be great fun, Mr. Weston. Fun, Joe. We should never have allowed ourselves to be talked into this. Sam, how can we lose with a team like ours? I also love that Joe is on board with the idea of the thing as well. Our team. Why, you and I, Professor, and our trump card, last year's winner of the Monte Carlo Rally. Joe 90. Get it? That's nice. And this is a nice vehicle as well that the uh, the jet air car is going to be racing against, the U87. If he loses, he'll sign a recommendation that military intelligence take over WIN London. Have we any idea what type of vehicle they'll be using? I don't know, but you can bet it'll be no match for ours. Hey, Major Clooney. It looks a lot like the uh, explosives truck from uh, Colonel McLean, except it's, it's big enough to hold three people in the cab. Here we come. I'm really quite excited about it all. So am I, Dad. And it's a lovely idea for a story, and it's not the kind of thing that that has come up before in the Super Mario Nation world. You would think that an idea of just a simple race is such a simple idea. Why did they never do something like this in in Thunderbirds, for instance? When General Tempest is around... Yes, I have just remembered moving your dead, but, you know, it's like the rules there were slightly different. Here it's like, you know... It's not a, a death race with blood and entrails being spewed all over the racetrack. It may have happened elsewhere, but uh, I do think it's it's lovely the way it's executed here. And here we see General Tempest's uh, superior 
is also completely uninterested by this uh, vendetta he's got against Shane Weston. This is Sam Louver, World Intelligence. Louver, your boss hasn't thrown in the towel already, has he? I shouldn't think so, General. And another lovely set, this dilapidated old barn that this race is uh, launching from. Again, if this barn was especially created for this episode, someone's gone to enormous trouble to paint that to look so old and authentic. Hey, Weston, what's that you've got there? May I introduce my team, Professor McLean and his son, Joe? You've got to be joking. You call that boy a genuine member of world intelligence and... He is. He's Wynn's most special agent. Where's your team? Right there. Lieutenant Burns and Clooney. Major Clooney. If he's a major, why is he wearing a private uniform? I promoted him this morning. Okay, General. This is a lovely comedic episode as well. I love that you have that shot of Lieutenant Burns looking you know, heroic and, and soldierly, as he would, because he's Captain Grey. And you have Clooney standing next to him with his head at a cockeyed angle. Route and the information you must stop and find on the way is in them. Stick to the rules of this contest, and the first team in Monte Carlo with the correct answers to the questions wins. Yeah, because it's not just a straight race. There's a bit of a scavenger hunt element involved here as well. Get to your vehicles. A helijet will pick us up in 30 minutes. Take us to Monte Carlo to see the finish. Fine. Well, I'll get them started. We'll have to spend an afternoon in Monte Carlo together. Lovely music as well for this episode, especially composed to Barry Gray's score for this one. Again, I think it shows that uh, I don't know whether you know to what extent they would have issued Barry Gray with the instruction we need new music for this story or if he would have been able to look at upcoming episodes and think ah that would be a good one to do music for that's it Sam Louver has uh, dropped the flag and a, a, another lovely the first shot of the race is of the two puppet sized vehicle cabs um trying to keep level with each other and eventually the U87 passes them but that's just that's five puppets on two different model sets having to be moved up and down it's just oh I can't even begin to work out how they did that but it looks so impressive let me pass road hog I also love on some of these Joe 90 roads, and particularly you notice in uh, in HD that the roads only extend so far. There is clearly an end to the set. Not that you can like see the edge of the set. You can just see there's no more road. There's just a load of greenery ahead. So now the U87 is stopping to find the first clue. Is this the bridge, Lieutenant? Yes, sir. We have to find the year it was built. The date will probably be carved in the stonework somewhere. I love Keith Alexander's voice for this Lieutenant Burns character as well. He's like, well, well, I don't, well, I'm sort of strained. Yes, General, sir. It, it, I don't know, it, it makes him feel a bit more real against the uh, comedy antics of Clooney and, and Tempest to a lesser extent. The opposition, sir. Yeah, they may have taken the wrong road back there where I had the signpost switched. Oh, he's a bounder. Old's barred, remember? He's a bounder and a cad. It sent them on the wrong road. Who's navigating this trip? Oh, Joe's navigating. Yes, I've checked the map, and there's only one explanation. I'm useless. He switched round. That two-timing, General? We'll lose too many miles if we have to go back. There's no need. We can turn off along here and pick up the coast road. What about the first question? The age of the bridge? 
That's the Oldchester Bridge, built 1890. It's a well-known rally point. That's my boy. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I find that kind of disturbing, actually, when when Shane and I think Sam Louver in another episode says, That's my boy. It's like, you know, we bought the deed to you, Joe. We now own you, body and soul. Well, 1890. Would you believe it? What kept you? I got to talking to this guy, a fisherman. He told me the date and all about the bridge. Very interesting. Clooney, this is supposed to be... <laughs> oh, Clooney. Social outing. Get in and drive. You're a lovely guest character. But again, this... this angle of uh, finding out the date the bridge was was built and such it wouldn't necessarily fly today because uh, you just look it up on your phone anyway the jet air car has driven straight off the cliff because it has wings it's driven straight off the edge of the cliff one mm. western son of a gun that heap of iron must be able to fly what are we going to do sir well as i told the opposition no holes barred arm the missile airport monte carlo here we come so this is presumably this is the race is starting in in England, ending in Monte Carlo. Um, yeah, how did that? Nobody seems to have planned. Well, no, the U eighty seven crew certainly don't seem to have planned for the fact that they would have needed to cross the Channel at some point. But of course, our heroes prepared for it. Meanwhile, the U eighty seven arrives at I believe the same model set from uh, Colonel McLean, and we can see. Uh, a couple of recognisable Captain Scarlet planes in the background there. I think that's the uh, the is it AV-21. Is that the plane from uh, Splashdown? You see a few times in this show. Ah, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying the heck out of this. Now we are in France, apparently. Well, we seem to have got a good lead. We'll take a ten-minute break and change drivers. I checked on hmm. what could go wrong. I tried at Calais as we came through. We'll find the answer to the next question at the old ruin abbey at Fonte. Oh, here they come. Where in tarnation did they come from? Well, if you if you're gonna stop and have a break. To see us. <laughs> you see their faces? That twisting, scheming. Steady, Mr. Weston. No holds barred, remember? Again, not only is Clooney a really nice character in the, the idea of the character and the look of the character, the voice is brilliant as well from Gary Files there. The, the, the yokel soldier, what, what is he even doing in the army? In that cheating general, calling up the army weather station? Son, you're a major now. How do you ever expect to make general thinking things like that? I see that, sir. <laughs> Do you suppose I ever will make general? General? Clooney, when we win this race, you'll stay major for about two minutes. That's a promise. Why, thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, poor Clooney. Again, I, I love as well that this is a Tony Barwick script, and uh, often the strength of his writing is in the humour, and that's a kind of joke that um, I don't know how many children would get. It is pitched at a slightly older audience. According to my calculations, we should lovely. save about 10 kilometres. Jet Aircar is now leaving the uh, ruined abbey, having presumably found the clue. Fonte Abbey, yes. The U87 is just arriving. Okay, let's go find the clue. All right, Clooney, move! A very nice trio of guest characters here. 
again, when, when guest characters work on these shows, it's such a shame that you know you're only going to see them for one episode. Kinda spooky in here, General. All right, Clooney. The clue's supposed to be in a niche below the Cross of St. David. Here they are in the, uh, the ruined abbey. Tempest and Clooney. And I believe this set appeared in another episode. I want to say either the unorthodox shepherd or more haste, less speed. You mean put my head in? There's this little niche where the uh, clue is hidden. Or was hidden, I should say, because uh, Shane Weston has uh, got to it already. What have you found, sir? I'm sure that that's visible in another episode. Another cellar or basement or something. What does it say, General? Sorry to disappoint you, General. Keep looking, Weston. It says you're an imbecile, Clooney. Yes, sir. <laughs> Gorgeous puppetry on the on uh, Clooney saluting there. In the mountain soon. That's got to be uh, that's got to be someone working the the hand there. With you driving now, Joe Ninety, we're gonna make it. Are you insinuating? No, 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 no. Have a cigar, Professor. <sighs> Nothing like a premature victory. We wasted an hour at those ruins. Just wait till I see Weston putting the clue halfway up a 20-foot wall. They must have a good lead, sir. I think they may find they get delayed. Oh, who's going to delay them? Why, it's none other than Captain Magenta. I have our orders. They wouldn't come from a general tempest by any chance. I'm sorry, that is classified information. Voiced by Rupert Davies. You are not carrying explosives. As a French police officer, I've always wondered if... Uh, that little bit of casting was in, in some way reflective of his role as, uh, as May Gray. Talking of the general, here he comes now. Just wait for that greasy smile. Greasy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Davies didn't voice any other characters in the show. No, he did. He did. No. Call your goons off, Tempest. I don't quite find But not many. Roadblock, supposedly looking for explosives. Oh, there must be some mistake. Lieutenant? Oui, General. I can vouch for my friends here. Remove the roadblock. Oui, General. French police are so helpful. Finish that I anticipated. We can still beat you if you play it straight. Why not? Now, uh. I have the U87. Ready to restart the race? Specially designed for mountain roads. And Major Clooney handles it like a charm. Right. It's 50 miles to Monte Carlo. Let's make it a straight race. Son of a gun. You're on. I just hope the road doesn't turn out to be like glass, but I'm sure it won't. Oh, the police were blocking the road with an explosive struck from Colonel McLean. Yes, sir. Oh. I'm ready to go. Okay, Joe. Remember, you have the knowledge and experience of a top rally driver. The U87's faster. But I'm betting we've got the better driver. Because if we haven't, my god, your life is not going to be worth living. That's it, Magenta's fired his gun into the air. No doubt shot down a passing a helicopter or something. And again we get this lovely image of the two puppet vehicle cabs. Yes, sir! Trying to pass each other. U87's already taken the lead. Come on, Joe. Don't let him get away from you. If I can slipstream him all the way, we've got a chance. That doesn't sound likely to succeed, but uh, you know, you're the one with the brain pattern. Oh, stock footage. Lovely stock footage. I wonder where this has come from. 
this music really helps sell it. I'm so glad this episode got its own uh, own special score. It does lend a lovely, not just an air of importance, but also a sense of fun and playfulness to the whole story that I think is one of the real strengths of it. Quite a bit of stock footage of the roads here. And that's another lovely shot of the, uh, the two models trying to uh, trying to overtake each other. There's a long bend just ahead. I'm going to try and take them there. For never have we seen vehicles on uh, mountain roads in Jerry Anderson shows stay on those mountain roads for so long without falling off and crashing in a horrible fireball. Lovely model sets here as well, though. And the jet car is almost passing as they approach a tunnel. Is it going to make it? Seems to be creeping up in front. That's it. As they round the bend, the jet car has overtaken the U87. There's a tunnel, and the jet car got in first. Tunnel's only wide enough for one vehicle, so they have now taken the lead. Piece of driving I've ever seen. I do have to wonder though, um Made it, Joe. We're gonna win. why this episode needed to be a dream episode, beyond the uh somewhat un unlikely scenario that uh, the army would have absorbed WIN at any point. Or at least WIN London only seemed to be the threat. While I make it world intelligence to the winners, by about eight feet. There's no reason for this to be a dream. Why is the dream template here? Uh although as we later discover it's going to set up material for another story. And there was uh, Monte Carlo as represented by stock footage from Thunderbirds. Um, I believe the man from MI5. Like that, General. Thanks, Joe. You were just great. Yay. Can I have some more ice cream, please, Mr. Weston? Of course you can. Garçon? I've been thinking, General. All right, Clooney. Hit me. Oh. Monte Carlo's a great place. Yeah, we're all having a nice dinner together. No hard feelings. Man will soon be needing a new CNC. General Carter is retired. And Mediterranean HQ is in Monte Carlo. Clooney, you're not quite so dumb as you make out. Why, General? Us mountain boys was always noted for our intelligence. How's the ice cream, Joe? Fine, Major Clooney. Just fine. That's it. It was all a dream. And then everyone started to laugh. Didn't need to be, but uh, hey-ho. We just laughed and laughed, Dad. Yes, the tears were running down your cheeks, weren't they? That's right, Dad. Joe, you know what this means? Not exactly. Well, last night, when I gave you my brain pattern, we both had a dream. And the dream you had was exactly the same in every detail as mine. Well, it's a lovely idea. It means that the big rat can not only transfer the knowledge and experience of one brain to another, but also the patterns of the subconscious. Joe, we've made a very exciting discovery. And I'm extremely lucky that you didn't have a slightly more, uh, shall we say, adult dream than the one uh, that you had, because that could have very easily have gone wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, putting aside the, the dream frame framework thing, which I'm not 100% I'm not on board with because I don't really see the point of it, but it is a nice idea to end on that note of, 
we've made a discovery. This is a this is a development, and I think possibly uniquely for an Anderson show, or at least a Super Mario Nation show, at least this show, that development is followed up on in a later episode. Talk down the the um, uh, episode with the the pilot with the mental block on landing that he passes to Joe when they record the brain pattern. So uh, that was the race. Uh, I hope you can tell from the way I've been talking about it that even for a Joe 90 episode, I've got a lot of time for this one. It's that nice, uh, that very nice mix of uh, adventure and silliness that I think uh, makes this show work as, as well as it does so often. Uh, you know, Tony Barwick always delivering the goods with this show. Um, the fact that it's a dream, well, it doesn't really work against it. I just don't really see the point, especially as um, that possibly means that uh, General Tempest and uh, especially poor old Major Clooney never existed. Well now, sir, I say, sir, that's not good that Major Clooney did not exist. Because I like him an awful lot. I like Clooney, I like all these characters, I love this show, and I love this particular episode. Well, oh. well, well. Yeah, Jamie. Bit of Joe 90. Yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, uh, obviously, as Joe 90 episodes go, pretty noteworthy for the oh. fact that uh, it features redressed uh, Captain Grey mm -hmm. and Captain Magenta. Obviously, oh. fascinating uh, fact uh, there about that episode. You sound quite interested. Uh, hang on. Yeah. Um, oh, you just read that, didn't you? Oh. You, literally, you just read that? Uh, yeah. Oh. So I was trying to sound interested in no, it, but it's just you Joe 90. Yes, some people love Joe 90. Oh, yeah. Anyway, look, whenever I think of Joe and try to cheer myself up, I just think of doing the Joe 90 dance at a convention several years ago with Lee right. Sullivan and the two of us <laughs> okay. skipping around in circles after a few I beers. I can imagine. Uh, and yes. so there you go. That's the best thing I can say about Joe 90 is uh, right. it once meant that Lee and I had, had had a couple of drinks. So there we go. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, thanks, Great. Chris. Thanks so much for choosing yeah. the randomizer uh, as uh, Joe 90. I know it's not your fault, but it yeah. kind of is. So go away and think about what you've done and come back next week. Oh, harsh. Uh, anyway, over on Twitter, very quickly, uh, Paul Guest says, uh, I'm catching up on two whole Jerry Anderson podcasts. Jamie, Richard and Chris, reliably brilliant as always. I may be one of the few people using the pod to unwind after work instead of during a commute. Ooh. Yeah, interesting. It might be. Yeah. Lost in Transition posted, I'm so glad that Samira Ahmed enjoyed UFO. It's still my favourite live-action Jerry Anderson series. Yes, there are some attitudes of the times that would keep Shadow Human Resources Department busy for a considerable time, but the concept sets storylines and performances are highly entertaining and sometimes very dark, even to this day. I still think that Dr. Doug Jackson is a very sinister character. His medical qualifications may be excellent, but his morality is questionable <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> yeah fair and uh, Gary Hodgkinson says a cracking pod this week enjoyed the interview with Samir Ahmed on UFO and all the wonderful spangly Anderson filling that makes the Jerry Anderson podcast so great cheers fab trio oh, here's to the ah, spangly filling exactly <laughs> uh, and there'll be more spangly filling next week can't wait of course there will for, for yet more spangly filling yeah. Uh, so don't forget to email us in about the uh, six degrees of Anderson, in which you must connect in exactly six degrees of separation a dry white whiteboard marker to <laughs> Dick Spanner. Um, Great. 
it should be easy. I'm sure you'll manage oh, yes. uh, very well. Email us an answer to podcastjerryanson.co.uk and do write us a review or a rating or, or both and call it a yep. rating. We'd love that. Yep. In fact, uh, I forwarded you some rather nice uh, reviews just yeah. the other day, didn't I? Weren't they lovely? Yeah, you did. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, so yes. we, we do really appreciate Great. those. Thank you. And, uh, well, I guess that's it, isn't it? I think that's probably it. We come back next week again. Do you fancy that? Does that sound all right to you? I mean, I'd be up for that, to be honest. Okay, so yeah. pod 162, I suppose we'll do that in right. about seven yep. days after the release of this one. Yeah, um, we'll do it then. Yeah, so that'll Great. be next week. Right, so we'll right. be in your ears next week for 162. Yeah. Yeah, see you then. Toodaloo. Bye. Stage one complete. Let's go. I'm sorry you didn't find my uh, Joe 90 fact fascinating. You can't fool any of us, Jamie. I tell you you what, weren't even interested yourself. I could do for you uh, yeah. is tell you a thing I know about um, the Space Precinct. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, well, uh, something that I won't know. Uh, you might not know it, no. Well, because uh, I don't know if you know, Jamie, but I was in... Space Precinct. No, so. really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. Yeah, it's quite a bit. All right, know. fine. Go well, on. Here's, some, here's something for you. Go on, surprise me. The Forever Beetle, Richard James. Yes, yes. Uh, directed what? by Peter Duffel, yeah. Yeah, all right. What was the original working <gasps> title of that episode? Oh. Hang on a second. Hang on. Don't go and cheat. No, no. Hang on, don't go anywhere. Charlotte. I can't. <sighs> He won't know. There's no way. He won't get it. It's not sounding good. Well, she doesn't know either. Oh, what a terrible shame. Isn't that awful? Uh, so, come on then, surprise me. The original working title of The Forever Beetle yeah. was... Yeah, 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 yeah. Quick Thinking. Was it? Yeah. What's now, that got to do with anything? Well, let me tell you. In the original yeah. script, uh, Murphy's yeah. raid on uh, Dexcore Laboratories... Yes. Appeared after Broger's interrogation of uh, Amory Wolf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt's red dot tarantula was played by both a real tarantula provided by animal actors. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, by yeah, a duplicate yeah. animatronic tarantula yeah, yeah, made yeah, by yeah, Neil yeah, Gorton's yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. Tarn scientist Dr. Long, obviously, as you know, was voiced by David Graham in that. Yes. Yes. Tarn girl, why is it called Senna M. I, I don't know. I don't have that information no, to hand. You see, you've started this thing and you don't know how it's going to end, do you? <laughs> Even no, you don't know. I'm, I'm reading it from a book. That's You're why. You're bluffing. I uh, know. You just read it. None of it is first-hand information. No, none, that's true. None of it is. No. Anyway, it's quite no. interesting that it was quick thinking. If yeah. you know why that was, Podstrons, do email us podcast yeah. at uk. And if you've got any other fascinating facts that you can think of. We say any other. Yeah, just let us that know. That sort of implies that, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Great. Okay. 
Well, well done, Jamie. Right. Well, I'm sorry you didn't know that thing from the thing you were in and nobody was there to help you. But uh, there we yes. Go. Yeah. Even the person who was there with me on the thing I was in didn't know. No. Well, great. Yeah. Tell her to buck her ideas up. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> right. Have a, have a nice week. Yeah. And uh, you. Speak to you next time. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.